Have you ever wondered what unicorns eat for breakfast? Or maybe what they use to keep their skin looking so flawless? Well, even if I don't know these answers, I can tell you something equally as interesting and unicorn related. Over 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot, and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support so you can grow beyond your wildest dreams, boosting leads and ramping sales along the way. They even have a constantly evolving collection of resources to help startups scale. Plus, with the HubSpot for Startups program, you can save up to 90% off your first year. I'll admit it does sound a little too good to be true. But unlike that majestic and also incredibly fictitious unicorn, HubSpot for Startups is all real. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot and take your growth to new heights, visit HubSpot.com startups. Good morning, everyone. It's Wednesday, August 2nd. I'm Mark Dent here with Rob Litterst, and you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're going to chat about that ever-elusive goal for social media companies. Can they be harnessed for social good and also make money? Well, there's a new social media app that is out to really try to make that happen, and we're going to talk about it. But first, let's just talk about some other news here in the world of business and tech. Rob, what are you looking into? The first thing that crossed my desk today, Mark, is some Big news over at Uber, very well used app, something that seemed kind of impossible for Uber. I feel like they're kind of like the poster child of unprofitable tech startups, right? Like I feel like they're like the first one mentioned like all the time when people talk about Silicon Valley and, and how companies out there are not focused on profit, but they posted their first ever operating profit in Q2, which is awesome. They also had their first quarter with $1 billion in free cash flow, mm-hmm. which is pretty wild. So big, big quarter, but the stock was still down 5% because they reported second quarter results that missed analyst expectations. So there's always something, Mark, but what do you think about Uber? They're profitable now. Well, profitable for a quarter. Yeah. So let's you know see when it becomes consistent. But yeah, it, it is kind of shocking because it's not just that they reported a profit and, and their stock goes down about 5%. It's because of these revenues. That's how it missed the analysts' expectations. It was up 14% during Q2, which is like the slowest growth since like early 2021 when we were still in the middle of the pandemic. And so, yeah, you just wonder, is this company still big enough. Right. It's kind of like we have these two competing values of investors still where they're like, just show us growth, just get big, get big. And then they're also like, but you got to turn a profit. And now it's like, well, they turned a profit, but they're like, well, you didn't grow big enough. So I don't know. You wonder if Uber is just kind of doomed to be in this purgatory for forever or certainly for a little bit longer. Right. I am optimistic on Uber. Their stock's up 84% on the year to around 46 bucks a share. And Lyft has been totally flat. So like, I think you could call it like a duopoly because they're clearly like two top players. Yeah. But Uber's always been like the way bigger top player. And it does sound like they're getting a lot of momentum on some of those ancillary products like Uber Eats. But to your point, it does seem like it's kind of choose one or the other. Uber's CEO said he wants to be profitable every quarter from here on out, which sounds like a great goal. Is it reasonable? I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it should be the only goal, frankly. (laughs) Yeah. What about you, Mark? What have you been digging into? Yeah. So speaking of big companies, Bed Bath & Beyond, it's back to life. Love it. So if you go to overstock.com, you will be redirected to bedbathandbeyond.com. And it looks just as bedbathandbeyond.com has always looked. 
And so you might be wondering like how this happened because Bed Bath & Beyond bankrupt. The last brick and mortar store closed a couple of days ago. But yeah, here it is now, alive again online. Well, Overstock, you might recall, bought the IP for Bed Bath & Beyond for $21.5 million a few weeks ago. Wow. And then they just moved really fast. And now they have this rebrand that is, I feel like, something Elon Musk would dream about. Seriously. Having something go this smooth so quickly on a rebrand. But yeah, so Overstock.com now takes you to BedBathAndBeyond.com. I think this is a genius move. I feel like everybody knows the Bed Bath & Beyond name. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it from going with my mom to the stores when I was a little kid, but I feel like the next wave, like Gen Z knows it from meme stock mania. It's like everybody mm-hmm. knows Bed Bath & Beyond now, and it's just like such a catchy name. And it was obviously mentioned in uh, Old School, which just millennials like you and I will, will remember forever. Just not sure if there'll be enough time. But yeah, great for Overstock.com, good for Bed Bath & Beyond. I'm excited to see what happens there. Yeah, I got to admit that I, I feel like even though Bed Bath & Beyond has the weight of you know going bankrupt, it is still just such a bigger name than Overstock, which totally. I, I mean, people know Overstock, but not like Bed Bath & Beyond. And that said, I do question, it still in some ways to me feels like swimming upstream a little bit. Mm-hmm. According to Axios, the websites for Linens and Things, Circuit City and Radio Shack all came back after those companies kind of bit the dust. I'm not shopping on Circuit City. I've never shopped on RadioShack.com. Yeah. So I don't know. That's yeah. a throwback. Yeah. We'll see if the meme stock crowd does anything to get it going, but very interesting development. And for our listeners here, if you're fans of Bed Bath & Beyond and those coupons you used to get, well, there's a big 25% off coupon right now on BedBathAndBeyond.com slash Overstock.com. Love it. So speaking of coupons, it's back to school spending time and Pearson is gearing up for back to school season with AI study tools that it says aren't going to give shortcuts to answers, which is obviously being frowned upon in academia, but will include this tool called an on a tight schedule feature that summarizes videos for short on time students, aka every student on earth. This kind of just sounds like Cliff Notes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's another name for that. Cliff Notes, Spark Notes, exactly. Right. Sounds okay. great. And another AI update. As you know, AI could have some world changing qualities, but it could also help you dodge some crummy YouTube videos. Google is testing auto generated summaries to help users more quickly decide if a video is right for them. And finally, one more before we get to our main story. Just when Taco Bell thought its high-profile legal cases were over after Taco John's relinquished its Taco Tuesday trademark, America's finest purveyor of chalupas is back on the docket. New Yorker Frank Saragusa has proposed a $5 million class action lawsuit against Taco Bell, alleging that the chain falsely advertises the amount of beef and other ingredients in its Mexican pizza and Crunchwrap Supreme. If you take a look at their advertisements and then compare it to what you buy at the store, Saragusa is saying <laughs> it does not add up. Craziness. Taco Bell is always in some mess. All right, let's spend a few minutes here now on our main story. We're going to talk about Roar Social. It's a new social media platform that launched in beta on Tuesday, and it wants to, quote, redefine what social media can be. What does that mean exactly? They want to use it to drive social good. And their definition of social good kind of comes down to donations. So on Roar Social, it still has the characteristics that you'll find on a lot of social media apps, video, 
It wants things to go viral, whether it's a user-generated content directly on there or from other platforms. But the big difference is that instead of pressing a like button, you press a little cartoon piggy bank that donates money from your account to a designated cause that is attached to that video. How does this actually work in the app, Mark? That is a very interesting concept, but I'm curious like how they set it up. Yeah, so everybody, when you create an account and, and actually get going, you have to start a social giving wallet and include at least $5. So the platform hopes that they're going to attract creators who make exclusive content supporting their pet causes. And they might also have some big brand involvement too, where they could direct to different causes that they're involved with. Think about it as kind of like GoFundMe, but a little bit more fun, right? You know, GoFundMe is just usually a picture somebody telling a story and soliciting donations. Interesting. Yeah, this aims to be more like something like TikTok plus GoFundMe, I suppose. That's a cool premise. If that's an elevator pitch and you're pitching that to somebody, TikTok times GoFundMe is a very interesting pitch. Yeah, it is. I'm not going to lie. But it's maybe also a very impossible pitch. Yeah. So here's why I'm super skeptical of this. I feel like it's really hard to break into social media. Like when was the last time that a social media app actually stuck around that was new. I mean, we just had threads, which I mean, got a ton of new users. But I think if you've read anything on where it's gone since then, the engagement's been super low. Yeah. Obviously, there was TikTok, which took over the world. And there's Be Real. That was another social app that was kind of trying to be better than the incumbent social mm -hmm. apps. But it's just super hard to break in and create a habit forming product for users. And I feel like there are kind of two sides here. It's like you need the creators to be creating interesting content. And then you need to bring people into this app that are actually going to be using it. And it's like they feed each other, right? It's almost kind of like a marketplace dynamic. I don't know. I think like people kind of like zone out on social media and go there strictly for entertainment right. or social doesn't really sound like it's going to be the most entertaining place. Right. Yeah. I wonder if it's going to be something that actually does include like a bunch of fun videos like TikTok, or if they're going to feel like they're put together because they're related to this cause right. that people want to donate for, in which it might be a lot harder to generate something that seems spontaneous and original and fun. On top of that, there are a lot of video apps already. So this isn't really something new. Right. What's new about it is obviously that people might donate money instead of just clicking a like button but it's still just the same concept as we see in a lot of other apps that have wide user bases. Yeah, trust me. I think this is a very novel mission. I love the idea. I just fundamentally think that people go to social media for entertainment and to waste time. And I just don't see people doing that on an app geared around philanthropy. But it would be awesome if they did. I hope it succeeds. Yeah, we'll see if it happens. One other quick complication for Roar is that at least earlier today, the top result for Roar in the App Store was not Roar Social, but a different social app called Roar that appears to be a half trucker communications app and half live adult video chats. So <laughs> add that to the mix. Just be careful what you click on there. <laughs> yes. Fair warning. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning into the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig, and our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. So if you're not subscribed, please get signed up at thehustle.co slash email. We'll see you tomorrow.
Hey, everybody. Let me tell you about this great podcast that's available right now. Creator Science, hosted by Jay Klaus, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, which is the audio destination for business professionals. Creator Science goes behind the scenes with today's top creators. Through narrative interviews, Jay Klaus explores how creators like Tim Urban, James Clear, Tori Dunlap, and Cody Sanchez are building their audiences today. And by learning how these creators make a living with their art and creativity, Creator Science can help you gain tools and confidence to do exactly the same. I was actually listening to an episode recently where Jay had on Dr. K, who is a Harvard psychiatrist. And Dr. K helps a lot of creators with performance, burnout, and dealing with a lot of negative feedback online. It's a great hour of conversation with Dr. K, where Dr. K really breaks down what it means to be a creator today and the burnout that a lot of creators do experience and what to do when you get that burnout, because you will. And you can listen to Creator Science wherever you get your podcasts, and I definitely suggest it. Listen to Creator Science wherever you get your podcasts.